2,000 years ago, a man at the age of about 30 started a movement whose mom was a teenager when he was born, lived in a rural area, grew up in a home probably the size of your bedroom, and that's with their animals also. They had no indoor plumbing, no running water, no hot water, no electricity, no influence or opulence. They grew up poor. He worked with his dad as a carpenter and then started to preach and teach. And he had really 12 close followers. Came from a small town that had only one well to sustain the people, which were probably only about a couple dozen people in that village. Very simple, humble, and rural, and no real influence at the time. But then he begins a movement that continues today. And from a group of about 12 followers, there are over 2,180,000,000 followers. We call this group the church. And it's his church. And his church is able to cross political boundaries, racial divides, and financial affluence. Whenever there's a catastrophic national disaster, the first on the scene, usually 100% of the time, is the church. They're the first responders. I used to be afraid of going to church I, I, because I didn't understand what church was about. And so I used to think, I used to think that church was a place where all the bad people went. That's what I thought it was. I thought, oh, church, that's where all the bad people go so they can talk to God to make things good. They would, have, they would go to church to tell God sorry for all the bad things that they have done. And then I heard that God knew everything. That made me even more afraid to go to church because as a child, you sneak around and you do bad things that nobody knows, not even your parents. And then I found out, wait, God knows? There's no way I'm going to church if God knows everything about me. And so I, I actually hesitated going to church and I, I, I didn't want to go because I thought there's no way that God would accept me and there's no way He would allow me to go to heaven because He knew everything in my life. Now, it's true, you don't need to go to church in order to get saved, as we call it, and to go to heaven, because church is not just about getting a ticket to heaven. It's so much more. Now, this morning, as we learn about why we go to church, I'm going to be using the word church in two different ways. Church as in the people, and church as in us gathering together. So those are the two things, and they're different, but the same word. And so we're going to explore what Jesus was building over 2,000 years ago and why it's important for us to understand what He was doing in order for us to answer the question, why do we go to church? Because many, we all come for different reasons. The writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, he wrote this scripture down and these words, and it's in your bulletin, in your notes, you can take that out. He wrote this down because he wanted to make sure that what Jesus was doing, that we would continue to carry on. That we would continue the legacy and the vision that Jesus first thought of when he built the church. And it's in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It's in the New Living Translation. And he says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, 
But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So the author of Hebrews didn't want us to lose or compromise what Jesus was building. But what was he referring to when he says, hold tightly without wavering to the hope? What was he referring to when he says, keep, that, that God can be trusted to keep his promise, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, to not neglect meeting together as some people do? What is he referring to? And why should we do these things? Well, there's many reasons why we come to church, but we're going to look at three important reasons. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this in. It's to build my relationship with God. It's very simple. It's to build my relationship with God. That's why we come to church. Yeah, but can I, can't I do that at home? I mean, I can read the Bible at home. I can, I can go online and I can read books and I can build my relationship with God. No, yes, you can do that. But something changes when you... When we come together as the church, there's a difference when you're at home building your relationship with God and then coming together. See, it's in the, it's in the, it's in the act of community that we learn together and we grow in our relationship with God. We experience community together. Sometimes we'll have conflicts and we'll, we'll have differences here at church. We resolve them differently here at church, don't we? I mean, if we're at home and your wife spills something on your plate or does something, oh, you, get, you snap. You go crazy. But here at church, it's like, oh, it's okay, honey. It's, I can go get another one. No problem. Why? Because everybody's watching. Your children spill something. It's like, oh, it's okay. Hallelujah. No worry. Daddy got it. I got it. I always, what are you doing? So we, we're different here in the community of believers. Why? Because God is showing us that we can change. He's just showing us something that we can do. He's saying, no, you can be different. You can grow in your relationship with me because it's in the, in the, the community of believers that we experience this building of relationship with God. That we can, we can do the things that He's calling us to do. We can resolve our differences. That when there's misunderstandings, we can solve them. And it's in the act of community. We respond differently here than we do in the world. In the world, somebody takes your parking stall. You're like, bro, what? <laughs> Over here, they take your stall. And it's like, oh, hey, pastor. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, no, 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 no worry. Get choked. I'm good. Here, somebody takes your seat. It's like, why? sitting in my seat. It's sitting in my seat. Next week, I'm going to take the seat away. But then God does something in our heart, and then He changes us in the act of community. That while we're together, He does certain things and allows certain things to happen so that we can see what we need to change. It helps us to build our relationship with Him. No other place does what we can, can impact us the way church does. Because things are done differently among believers. We handle things differently. When there are conflicts in marriage or in our families, we do things differently. You see, when, whenever we have two people coming together in this thing called marriage, you have different backgrounds, you have uh, differences, you grew up differently. And so when you come together in a relationship, there needs to be something that's foundational that will bring you both on the same page. And that's why we come to church. Because when we're building our relationship with God as husband and wife, and if you're in a relationship, but you're building your relationship with God, then when there's differences, the common grounds should be what God says 
not what we say. It's what are you saying, God? Well, this is what I think. This is what we should do. This is how we need to discipline our kids. You lick them. No, you're too harsh. No, lick them. So you have these two differences that you're brought up differently. No, honey, just talk to him. Pow talk, pow talk. I pow talk. No, you need to speak. But you go back to what the Bible says. So there needs to be something that's foundational when it comes to the marriage and the family. That's where our relationship with God comes in. We all need to come back to what God is saying. That's why we come to church, so that we can build the relationship with Him and recalibrate to what He says. Not what I've been through, not my past. It's what is God doing. And then we have that common ground. The Bible brings us back to what's valuable to God. And that's what we speak from. That's what we learn from the Bible. Yes, we'll have our differences, but we've got to come together as we build our relationship. And it needs to be built on God's Word. He's the one that will help us through everything that we go through. It's not, not reading another book, not watching this DVD. It would be the Word of God. Because everyone will have their opinions. Great books out there and opinions, but it needs to be the Word of God. That has stood the test of time. And you get back to the Word of God, it'll help in building your relationship with Him. That's why we gather. We get into the Word of God. We read Scripture together. And then there's a foundation. Some people would say, you know, uh, yeah, that's good, but... You know, you go to church for me. You know, honey, I tired. I tired today. and work hard yesterday. You go to church for daddy. You go to church. Uh, you guys go to church for me. And then pray for me. And then let me know what God said so that you can tell me. It doesn't work that way. We cannot go to church for one another. It's almost like saying, you know, I mean, it would be great if we lived that way. And if it worked that way. Like if you were thirsty, but you're lazy. Boy, go drink water for daddy. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, if it worked that way, we would be a weird society. Then we'd be like, hey, I tired. Go work for me. You know, it would, then we would tell people to do things for us. But it doesn't work that way. We can't ask people to do things for us, especially when it comes to church. We come to church so that we can build our relationship with God for ourselves, not someone else going for us. See, as Jesus was building the church, he makes this statement, and it's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and it's out of the King James Version. He says, And I, also, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And he's talking to one of his disciples named Peter. He says, And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, It's going to be me who builds the church, not you, Peter. It's upon my life that I'm going to build this church, upon this rock, this foundation that I'm going to build this church. See, God is not about building buildings. He's about building people, the church. That's what He came to do upon this rock. Jesus is talking about His life, His foundation, His values, and His principles. That word church is actually taken from the Greek word ekklesia, and it's two words, ek, which means out of, and then kalel, which means to call. So if you think about what church means, when he says the church, which he's talking about the people, you're the called out ones. We learn together from God in what he's saying, and then we go out there and apply it. But it needs to be applied here first in order for it to be called out. So we come to church, we listen to God, we get into His Word together so that we go out there and apply it and reach other people for Him. 
See, we cannot reach people if we don't have a relationship with God. Hard for us to let people know the love of God and show people the love of God if we're not walking in it. If we don't experience His love for ourselves. That's where our relationship with Him comes in. And He calls us out. That's where we find growth. That we understand that we're the church. That we're the called out ones. 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 in the New Living Translation Paul tells his, his young protege, Timothy, he says, you know, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. You are the church, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The truth of God that that revealed truth which Christ had given to save the world was entrusted to the church. That's who He gave it to. He gave it to you and I. That it was designed in such a way so that we would preserve its purity to defend it and to carry on what God had called and built years ago so that we could continue in it and how He designed it so that in future times... We here today would experience what God was building when Jesus Christ was walking on this earth. Every single gift, every single person, and all the talents that He's given to us, we should use it to engage in this duty that God has given to all of us as our responsibility as the church. That it's more than just attending. It's building our relationship with Him. Because out of that relationship, everything else will flow. There's a deep conviction of responsibility that should be taking place in the church. God is sending new people. This might be your very first time. This might be your 50th time. You may have been here for 15, 20 years. But God is looking for men and women who will rise up so that when He brings in new people, they too will be able to bring, will be able to build their relationship with Him. But He's looking for men and women who will rise up to help the, the new ones understand how good God is and understand the kingdom of God and His purposes. And He's asking us as the church to be the pillar and foundation of the truth. We gather together. It builds our relationship with God. The second thing it does is, and this is, this is a, 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 something that's holy and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but it's an act of obedience to God. Did you know that? That when, you, when we meet together and we observe this day, that it's an act of obedience to God. See, with all the choices we make out of the week, with all the time we spend on doing other things, all God asks for is a portion of time that is set aside for Him. That's what He says. He says, you know, there's, there's many things that you're going to do throughout the entire week, but set aside a time for me. And it was so important to God that He says, there's, there's only one day that should stand out among the rest, a day that's set aside for me. He's saying, this is how important it is. He put it in one of His commandments. And it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. And I'm going to read the New American Standard Bible. And He says this, Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. 
In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male or your female servants or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. He's saying out of the six days, out of seven days, you're going to do six days of work. It's going to happen. But just one day, he says, set aside because it is holy unto me. That's the Sabbath day. You know what he is saying? That word holy means sacred. That it's actually set apart. It's a special time given to God. It's not just attending. It's a holy moment. The time we spend together is holy. You set it aside for God. We get ready to come to church. Why? Because it's a holy moment that we spend with Him. I mean, some of us, we, we, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know, I want to go to church today, I'm tired, oh, football game today, get playoffs, I don't know if I'm going to go. And so we, we kick and scream. But I tell you, when you attend and you set aside this holy time for God and you leave, you, your spirit feels so much more confident. You feel, you're filled. You're not stuck with grief. You actually feel better. You do. Because you set aside that is holy to God. It's dedicated that you've devoted your time. You see, obedience to God of keeping the Sabbath, it actually, it pulls one layer at a time. Of all the junk that has accumulated over the years, the filth, the, the, the scum and, and all of the, the residue that has accumulated over our years of not walking with God. And so sometimes they'll say, yeah, I can, I can just go to church once in a while. I can just attend once in a great while. But if there's layers, it takes a while even for God to peel back those layers because we fight against Him. And He peels back one layer at a time all the way down to the core so that we live the life that we were meant to live. That He peels it all back to the very essence of who He created us to be to live a life of restoration to a life that thrives. I remember we found this one bike. It was, uh, it was all you know, beaten up, but uh, we wanted to paint it and uh, get it looking really good. But we had to sand it first, you know, sand down the paint. And so we started to sand it. And I'm only, you know, maybe 10 years old. I can't remember. But we're sanding this thing down. And it took forever. And as I'm sanding it, it started black. Then it was blue. Then it was red. And then an orange. I was like, who painted it that color? And I'm sanding it, sanding. It took so long. I got blisters. We went through so many um, uh, packets of sandpaper. We even added water. And we kept doing it. I was ready to use a screwdriver to start chipping the paint. That's how thick it was. And then finally, when I got down to bare metal, I thought, hey, we're almost there. Bare metal. Bare metal. And we sanded the whole thing down. Bare metal. And then we primed it and then painted it. And it looked good. And I thought, that's what church does. When we come together and we meet together, that's what God does. He brings us together and He peels off layer by layer. Little by little. Some of us have lots of layers. Some of us have okay layers. Some of us build up layers while we're in church. We sit down, we see somebody, oh, there it is again, this and that and this. And then layer upon layer comes back on and God is saying, no, no, I'm trying to work with you. Don't work against me. We've got to peel those layers. And some of us are like ogres. We have many layers. 
Belakangin. So it takes time. But God is saying, I, when we meet together, I just pay, I just peel one layer at a time. You're gonna feel it. You're gonna sense it. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Let God peel that back. And many of us, we don't want to because we, we're going to feel like we're weak. We're going to feel vulnerable. No, I don't want God to do that. No, 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 I don't want God. No, 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 I don't want to do that. And sometimes, even during worship, God is peeling back some layers. Some people will come up to me afterwards in tears and, and they don't know what's happening. And they're trying to speak to me and, and they don't know what's happening. You know what's happening? God is just peeling back some layers. And he's just peeling back. The Holy Spirit is touching your heart. And you don't know what's happening. But he does. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's just peeling back one layer at a time because it's a holy moment. Work with him. And he's going to peel it back one layer at a time. See, when we come together as church, God uses everything that takes place. So that we hold tightly without wavering that hope. We think of ways to motivate one another. To show acts of kindness. To show acts of love. That's why when you come in, we have our greeters, we have our parking lot attendants. We're not there just to direct traffic. It's actually showing acts of love. For the greeters that greet you, they don't just want to know your name. They want to greet you in the name of the Lord. It's a holy moment. We do church for God, because of God, because of what He's building. Jesus Christ put this in place. And he does it with a, reason, with a purpose, and there's a reason why we do what we do. That's why he says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but let us encourage one another. We learn from each other. We learn from each other's testimony. Sometimes we're, we're going through something, and, and even between services in the fellowship hall, sometimes in the back there or on the other side, and, and we just stop and we pray for one another. It happens in community. We pray with one another. We learn from each other's testimonies, which means the things that God has done through us. Sometimes I'll share something that God has done or we'll see a video or someone will share. Uh, coming up on the 23rd, you might want to jot this down. On, on January 23rd, one of my friends, Troy, his name is, we call him TJ, but he's going to be coming up from Oahu. And last year, he went on a missions trip to Laos and they were captured and they were set for execution. And through a chain of events, and, and he's going to share that. He's going to share with what God did, and he's going to give a testimony on, on how God worked all of that through. And so he's going to share with the church family on that Wednesday night at our equip service on January 23rd. And then he's also going to do a leadership uh, one on a Friday for our uh, church leaders, young adults, and our youth. And so you may want to attend one of those, or you can go on our website and learn a little bit more about it. But it's, he's going to share his testimony because it, it helps us to understand that, wait a minute, if God can do that through that person, He can do that in me. And so we learn from one another. That's why we gather together. See, I looked at it this way. We need church more than church needs us. We come together because it builds our relationship with God but it also, helps, it also helps us to get those layers peeled off one at a time. If you're taking notes, you can underline this. I'm going to read this scripture. 
Mark 2, verses 27 and 28 in the New Living Translation. Then Jesus said to them, he said this, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And you want to underline this. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. You know what Jesus was saying? It's not really about honoring the day. It's about honoring the Lord. It's an act of obedience to God. It's a holy moment. It's not about the day. It's about honoring the Lord. That's why we come to church. It's an act of obedience to Him. And the last thing, you can write this in, that church is a spiritual hospital. That's why we gather together. It's a spiritual hospital. I recently just went to the dentist. I go every six months and, and, you know, get checked up. And while I'm sitting in there, nobody's in there looking around at who's there. Nobody looks around and say, oh, I wonder what's up with that guy. Oh, hey, how come that guy's in here? Hey, how come this lady in here? She shouldn't be in this. I don't, I don't know why she's here. Nobody does that. You go to the dentist for your dental needs. And so we know why we're there. Some people, and sometimes, you know, we walk like this, and sometimes we limp a little bit because something's out of whack in our back. So we go to the chiropractor for our spinal needs, and we get readjusted. He just just puts it back into place, and so, oh, I can stand up straight. Why? Because you go to the chiropractor for those needs. You're not in the chiropractic, uh, the chiropractor's office and looking around saying, oh, boy, it's kind of weird. So much people here. Well, not come there here. What, what are they doing here? That person doesn't belong here. We know why we're there. We go to the hospital for emergency needs. And some of us, sometimes when we get sick, we go to the hospital. Or if there's a broken bone, we go to the emergency room and we get fixed. We become healthier. They help us with certain needs. Now, think of it this way. When we come to church, church is a spiritual hospital. There's a reason why we all gather together. See, the Bible is more truthful and relevant than any other social media out there that you and I tend to believe. The Bible is relevant. It helps us. It changes us. And it has stood the test of time. And so has the church. The church has stood the test of time. We come to Jesus for our spiritual well-being, and church does that for our spirit. When Jesus was building the church, he was building a spiritual hospital. As he's, as he's you know, putting together and, and, uh, and casting vision on what the church is going to look like and living that lifestyle, there were people, especially the religious ones, who were saying, this is kind of weird. Why? Why? as being the son of God or or as being someone who says the kingdom of God is at hand, that you behave in such a way. Why why do you do what you do? And in fact, as they're saying this, in Luke 5, 29 through 32, in the New Living Translation, it says, Later, Levi had a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And Levi, if you read the Bible, we know him as Matthew, one of Jesus' followers. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors... And other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly, not to Jesus, but to Jesus' disciples. And they said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? 
How's that word? Like, why do you eat with such scum? It feels like they were like really, you know, trying to give the lowest of lowest words. Why do you eat with such scum? Jesus answered them. He said, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. I find this interesting that they complain not to Jesus, but to his disciples. And I think we do that too. We complain with one another. Oh, how come this? How come that? Oh, you know about this? What? Not? No way. Yes. How come they did this? Oh, I don't know. Something must be wrong. Oh, you heard about this? And then we complain with each other. Oh, they should do this. You know what they should do? They should do that. I would say this. Instead of complaining with each other, go to Jesus. I dare you. I challenge you. You know why I say that? Because it's not what happens on the outside that Jesus is concerned about. It's what's happening right here. Because we are the church. The church never gets better unless the church gets better. And that's what he's looking at. And so Jesus challenges the religious people. He says, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I haven't come to call those who think they're righteous. I came to call those who are sick. Healthy people don't need a doctor. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, it's, it's those who are sick. They're the ones that need help. In, in the 21 years that I've been attending church, this is what I've learned. I am sick spiritually and I need Jesus constantly. I am sick spiritually and I need Jesus constantly. And that's who I am. I know I'm sick. I know I'm a sinner. I know I have flaws. I know I make mistakes. That's why I come to church. That's why I need Jesus. That's why I love when we come together. I don't come here to church on Sunday morning thinking I'm the guy. I come to church because I need Jesus. While I'm preaching, I'm learning at the same time. While I'm studying, I still need Jesus. We all need Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're all sick spiritually and we need the doctor. And He's the only one who can help us spiritually. We're all dying spiritually. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And we need Him. That's why we come together. That's why He said what He said. You see, meeting together and learning from the Bible brings health to your life, brings health to your family, brings health to your workplace and in the community because He's bringing health here in the church. And then when we go out there, we let people know how great God is because He does something here. And He changes the overall view of our entire community because He does something inside every single one of us. Some of you need to know that God is greater than any sin. Some of you need to know that He's greater than any financial burden. That He's greater than any relational conflict. That He's greater than anything that's happening in your family. He is that good. That He can help in any situation, any spiritual blindness. He can help us in any sickness He can help us with. Some of us, after service, we can visit the prayer room and people can pray for us. I have people praying over me all the time. I'm not ashamed to say, I need prayer. We'll pray before service and I'll say, pray that God will have His way. We need God to do what He wants to do. Because it's in the act of obedience. It's in who He is. It's in this thing we call a spiritual hospital. That God does something miraculous in the church. That's why we gather together. Luke 4, 18 and 19 in the New Living Translation. Jesus reads this. 
And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You can circle that word, me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me, and you can circle every time he says me, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Listen, this is what I learned. There's nothing like the local church when Jesus is the head of it. Nothing like it. And we gather in His name. It's not just attending church together. Something happens when we meet together in His name. That He's the head of the church. My question is this. Is Jesus the head of your life today? Is He the head of your life today? And if not, I pray that we begin to make that a priority. And that's why we come to church. It always comes back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we're going to pray together so you can put away your notes and, and your Bibles. And we're going to pray for that. That as we continuously meet together as, as the body of Christ, that we will learn, learn together. It's an act of obedience to Him, but that it's a spiritual hospital. We all need God. We all do. No one better than the other. We all fall short of His glory. I'm so get, glad that it's His glory and that it's about Jesus Christ, not about any one of us or a one-man show. It's about Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me as we conclude in prayer? Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the time we get to spend together. And it's a holy moment. It's a time that we set aside for You. It's really not about us. And although we benefit from being here, it's really about this holy moment with You. A time that is sacred, that we set aside for You. And so I pray for all of us, Lord, that you will do something inside of us, that you will continue to build your church from the inside out, and that we would go out there and be the church to the world. I pray for anyone that is new this morning, Lord, and and that as they begin to learn more and more about you, that they will realize that they are valuable to you, that they're important to you. And the reason why we also have church is so that more and more people can come to know you and build their relationship with you. And so we thank you for this time that we got to spend together. Now as we go out there in the world with our family and with the community, let us continue to be the church as the pillars and foundation of the truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen.